Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. All right, while they're doing that, do we need to get any more murmuring about the seats? And everybody okay now? You ever find your right spot? Good. Um, anybody make any New Year's resolutions? Anybody make any New Year's resolutions? Not a single one. Nobody? Anybody? I, I was so I was I was wanting to see if somebody made one. Yeah, did you make one? Ah. And the door was to leave 2019 behind and embrace 2020. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was uh, not my, no, not something I can control. Yes. I'm hoping that I, I resolved to sell my house this year. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't done anything to make that happen yet, so I don't know how I can make that happen. I, I have, uh, I am starting tomorrow at school. We have a competition. It's called The Biggest Loser. I'm winning this year. <laughs> I'm going to win. I won it one other year, uh, several years ago. Uh, I really, though, it's not really much of a New Year's resolution necessarily, but I do feel like this needs to be the last time I'm able to compete in this. Um, I tend to loot and then put it all back on. In fact, I've been training for this. I just told the guys out, out in the four-year minute ago, I've been training for this Biggest Loser Put on a few extra pounds over Christmas just to make sure I had a step ahead of everybody else. Um, well, maybe I should ask the question. Anybody ever made a New Year's resolution and it flopped? Anybody ever done that? That's why I made a resolution to gain 50 pounds this year. Oh, yeah? <laughs> okay. I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> um, I'll bring down some bread pudding for you. Um, uh, so I saw a lot of hands with those, right? Making some resolutions. They're flopping. Um, anybody had any that you made and you kept? Anybody had a New Year's resolution you ever make? And, and I mean, you, you're like, I've stuck with it. Yeah? You want to share what it was? Sure. But it took me until April to really get kicked into gear and start losing that weight. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> that, and you've been, you've been keeping it off. How much have you lost so far? Man, yeah. Wait until April, but that's okay. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. Mm. Oh, good, good. That's a great, that's a, yeah. Clap for that one. That's a good resolution to make. Um, we were talking about trying to do something. We've tried things like this in the past, but having kind of a, a Bible reading plan that we shared with the church, and we're all trying to get on the same page, and, and we've, Failed at making the copies of that. Uh, but obviously, being in the Word, obviously important. Anybody else have resolutions you've made and maybe kept? No? Let me ask you this question. Any, anybody ever wish you could just have a whole new complete start? I, I'm thinking about like even that doorway concept. Like, this year, new year, new me. Right? No? Yeah? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not completely. No, that's good. That's good, though. In fact, let me build on that for a second, because what, what if you could stay you, but get rid of all the flaws? Now, some of you are going, mm, mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I don't mean like erasing the ones you've made in the past. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's coming. That's coming. The scriptures talk about this resurrection that's coming. You will not be somebody different. You will be who you ought to be to the fullest degree. Would you like to know what that looks like? It's kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? Because it's, it's hard. I think it's hard to disassociate ourselves from, from our weaknesses. Right? That's, that's part of who we are. We, we, we connect that. Sometimes I think even embrace it. I'm ADD. I use that to a fault sometimes. I'm sorry. Oops. <laughs> but what if a whole new you, you, brand new. The Corinthians, I think, were wondering about this. And I haven't prayed yet, I don't think, so let me pray. And then we're going to jump into this scripture where that question is asked of Paul. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, God, for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the Corinthians and the things that they've asked Paul or that Paul has answered for us uh, through the inspiration of your spirit that we can read and learn from. I pray that today would be a day that fills us with a future hope, maybe in a way that we haven't yet realized. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. I, I thought of something as I was praying that. It's interesting because some of your reactions weren't what I was expecting. And I think part of it's because many of us have lost hope of permanent God change. I don't know if that's true. It popped in my head just now. I think some of us have lost hope. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of stuck with who we are, and we've accepted that. And to some degree, that's good. I would agree with that. But have you, maybe we've lost hope that God is going to complete this work that he started in us. I mean, there's a future day coming, what Paul's talking about, where the work that he started in you will be brought to completion, as he talks about in Philippians. But here, here's the question. Let's take a step back. Let's ask this, because I think there's something important here, and I'm starting to realize its importance even more now as I'm talking with you. Verse 35 of 1 Corinthians says this, but someone will ask, right? He's been talking about the resurrection, and then he says this, but someone will ask, well, how are the dead raised? With what kind of... Now, there's an emphasis here. What kind of body do they come that's an interesting word because I think I would not be surprised if some of you, when you try to imagine eternity, you're kind of this, like your soul goes on, 
But understand in Scripture, it's not just... In fact, the Bible does not say that, that when some of the dead will be raised, that their souls will be raised. It says their bodies will be raised. So they say, well, what, what kind of body, with what kind of body do they come? Did you guys know that? Did you know that when the resurrection happens, you actually, you're not just your soul, but your body will be raised? You're going to be a person. Did you know that? <laughs> you're not just going to be some floating around for all eternity. I mean, honestly, that would get kind of boring, would it not? Be a person. Arms, legs. A person. Paul, I'm sure, responds with great patience to this question. You foolish person. Okay, I was wrong. Ouch, Paul. <laughs> now he's going to jump into an illustration. He says, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Now, this, in this time period, in their very agricultural mindset, they understood the, the seed that went into the ground, and, and Jesus even talks about this, that it dies and then it comes back as something different. We know that that's technically not true, but I still think there's some truth to that. I mean, it stops being a seed. It leaves its seedness behind and turns into something different, does it not? Paul now is going to say, okay, now, you're trying to understand the resurrection and what, kind of, what, what that's going to look like. I mean, this is the hope. For those of you in this room that right now you've put your faith, your hope in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you this is going to be a true reality for you. So you go, well, what's that going to be like? Well, Paul goes, well, silly person, don't you know God does this kind of thing all the time? Look, he does it with seeds. Seed goes in the ground. It dies and comes back. It's something different. This is what he says next. And what you sow is not the body that, it, that is to be. Okay, so what you put in the ground, not the body that is to be. But a, but a bare kernel, perhaps of weed or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen. And to each kind of seed, its own body. So now we know, unlike they didn't know, God always knew, that written inside of that seed is code. DNA. All the information to build what's coming next. And so you put that seed in the ground. That seed dies to being that shape and begins to grow. A little picture of a seed there for you, right? Starting to sprout from that, the germination of the seed. Paul's using this as an illustration, so I figured I'd give you a mental image. Seed goes in the ground. And Paul's using this as an illustration of resurrection of our bodies. Listen to what he says next. I think this is interesting once you understand why I think he's saying this. For not all flesh is the same. Right? Physical substance of flesh. Some of you are going, I know this because pork is much different than beef. <laughs> right? There's one kind for humans. Another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. The glory, how it manifests itself, how it is different. The glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. 
There's one glory of the sun. The sun has a certain type of glory to it. You don't believe me? Go outside, try to look at it. Don't do that, actually. That, that would hurt you. Right? Uh, another glory of the moon. The moon, it's got a, when you look up at it, it's shining up there, right? It's not shining of its own light. It's different. Another glory of stars. And then, even in that, stars differ from stars and glory. When you look up at the sky, they're not all exactly the same. I mean, and then have you ever looked at like some of those pictures where they've taken the telescope and they've kind of looked at these different stars? Just amazing. Or have you ever been out in the middle of the country when there's no city lights? And you go, where all these other stars come from? It, some of them are just barely, and there's some that are really bright. Paul's sitting here going... I think what Paul's doing here is helping us understand, guys, you're wanting to know what this resurrection body is like. You do know God is a really good body maker. I mean, look around at the variety of... And, and, and a jellyfish. That's weird. But perfectly suited for what it's doing and where it's at. God, made, God came up with that. Birds. Down to the, the structure of their bones and the fact that the, their bones are hollow, making them like I mean, everything about, I mean, and the, the feathers and like, it's just amazing because you used to think, well, they have wings, but I mean, you give yourself wings. I mean, you've seen old, old, like the black and white people are like, I think I can fly, just build some wings. And it never works. Birds perfectly suited, even down to the structure of their feathers, the way they interlock. And then you even look at like aquatic birds versus non-aquatic birds and how things are formed, the oils that their skin produces. And God came up with all that stuff. I think what Paul's saying here is God is a great, very creative body maker. So you can begin to imagine that what he's going to make in your resurrected body will be perfectly suited for that environment of the resurrection life. If God can make all these things, he can also do this. So it is, he says, with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is... Now he starts to describe, okay, so now the differences. The seed that went in the ground, the plant that's coming out, here's some of the differences. First one he gives here, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Now, seeds are different. But for us, what is sown, this body, is perishable. Some of you know this very well. Some of you are much closer to your expiration date than others. <laughs> I <laughs> say like uh, that's not funny, Matt. <laughs> I'm not pointing out names, but we know it. we're perishable. We're wearing out. We're breaking down. We're spoiling, like food left in the fridge for a little too long. I'm not saying some of you look like that. I'm just saying. It's similar. What is sown is perishable. What is raised? Imperishable. So here's the first thing that you can know. This body that you're getting, I'm going to tell you, I don't know a lot about it, but I'm going to tell you what Paul knows about it and what he's shared with us. Here's the first thing that is true about 
whatever this body is that you're, you're going to get. If you're sitting here and you have faith in Jesus Christ, there's going to come a day where you're going to get a different body and it's not going to be perishable. Soak on that for a second. My back hurts right now while I'm talking to you. <laughs> That's going to be gone. How about fatigue? Gone. Aging. Eventually dying. That won't be a thing anymore with this new body that you're going to get. Let's look at the next one. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. There's aspects, I think, of what we've done with this body that we're ashamed of. The one we get will have none of that baggage. It is sown in weakness, fallible, weak, unable to keep all of those resolutions, unable to fight fatigue, not just the physical fatigue of, of your body getting tired on a daily basis, but how about that mental fatigue? That mental fatigue? I always think of mental fatigue. Now, I've switched jobs. I'm a dean now, right? I'm sure I'll get it again. But when I was a geometry teacher, I taught geometry for 19 years. There, there's, there's a time, and then multiple times a day teaching geometry. So it wasn't just one, once a day. I've explained certain aspects of geometry a lot of times. And there's times, I will admit, that I've looked at some students in the eye when I've, even to that particular student, explained that exact same concept a lot of times. I feel like I'm a very patient person. But the mental, mental fatigue, there's times in my head I'm going, can you just remember it this time? Please. <laughs> just... Just today. There's times where I, I wanted to get up as a teacher and go, could you guys just today pretend like math is important? Just today, please. Mental fatigue. Doing the same thing. Some of you know this even better than I have. Doing the same job year after year. Especially I think of, uh, I, I do have some experience with, with factory work. Like I've worked at a cheese factory for a while. And the cheese coming down this one conveyor belt that was all sliced and stacked. I had to take it. My first job there I did for like three weeks straight. Take the cheese off of that conveyor belt. And I've watched this carefully. Take it off of that conveyor belt and put it on this conveyor belt. Um, fatigue what is sown is sown in weakness this new body you get powerful Greek word dynamo like dynamite staving off permanently fatigue will that not be great 
What is sown is a natural body. Interesting word here, natural. The Greek word is the same word that's often translated uh, soul, psyche, right? Your psyche. It, it, this is not to say what is sown natural was raised spiritual. This is not a contrast between um, physical and spiritual. So it's not saying what is sown is physical and you're raised spiritual. That's not what that means. I know you see that word spiritual, you start thinking spirit, right? It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about something different. What is sown is natural. You are inclined because of being born into this world and because of things that Paul has taught, because of sin that has entered this world, you have a tendency from birth to be selfish. Do you not? Those of you have children go, yes, that's true. They were all selfish. When you're born, you come out and you go, me! Pay attention to me. You're not paying attention to me. That's the way they are. That's natural. What you will be raised in, and I, this we fight that all the time, don't we? That, that selfish nature, that selfishness, we, we, that's our natural inclination. Nobody had to teach us that. We had to learn how to be selfless. That This new body you get will be wired in such a way that you will not be inclined to that natural, but to the spiritual, the things of God. That's, that's good. Aren't you be looking forward to to be freed of the battle? To no longer be inclined to those fleshly desires, but to be inclined towards the things of God. Is that not great? If there's a natural body, there is a spiritual body. To be naturally inclined to be loving, caring, giving, sacrificial, dedicated, faithful, believing, trusting, solid. Thus it is written, Paul goes on to say, the first Adam became a living being. Same word, psyche, soul, living soul. The last Adam became, who's the last Adam? Jesus. Last Adam became a life-giving spirit, but it, is not the sp- it, but it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual comes after that. So the natural came first with Adam, then there comes the spiritual with Christ, is what he's saying. The first man, he goes on. I'm going to tell you right now, talking with my son about this passage of this week, so much in here. Every one of these verses, like we could stop and break down, but I don't want to miss, there's a big picture here. He's just laying out some ideas. First man was of the earth. Man of dust. But what was Adam created out of? We were talking about Genesis this morning. What was Adam created out of? What does it say? Obviously, you know what it is. From the dust of the ground. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. Me and you as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Scratching your head at that one? Let's dig a little bit further. Just as we have borne the image 
of the man of dust. We've been talking about that already. Have, don't we all bear the image of the man of dust? We're growing old, we get weak, we have fatigue, tired, we're inclined sinfully towards things, be selfish, to be self-absorbed, really to be weak, pitiful so often. So as we have naturally followed this, we've been born, we've born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear, right, at that resurrection, because that's what he's talking about, we, all, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. There's glimpses of this when Christ was resurrected. There's not a whole lot of things that happen after he's resurrected before he ascends, but there are some interesting things. He talks to people. That's interesting, isn't it? There's a time where he shows up, and they don't recognize him at first, so in some way, he was different. But then eventually they did recognize him. Well, well, we know who you are. And so, in some ways, still the same. Now, I'm giving you tastes. I know I say this one all the time. He ate food. He went to a fish fry. There's one point where he just shows up in a, the middle of a room without opening the door. Now, I, I don't want to go down that rabbit trail too much, but that's kind of an interesting one to be. Well, I, I'm kind of hoping we'll have that ability. It seems like he has the ability in his resurrected state to be where he wants to be. So if I, I need to be in Galilee, suddenly he's in Galilee. I'm kind of hoping. I mean, if he wants to take a walk, he does. He does that with some of his disciples, doesn't he? But if he goes, I just need to be in Galilee now, would that not be great? I don't know if that's going to be how it is exactly, but I think maybe it is in that resurrected body. Get glimpses. But I tell you this, he says next, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now we start to come to a bit of a dilemma because we know we're bearing the image of the man of dust. We're looking forward to when we get to bear the image of the man of heaven. But he starts to lay this idea that those that if, if we're completely in this, that's not for us from this verse. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment. Who in here has heard this verse before? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. That comes from Matthew 24. Jesus himself says he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. It's going to happen in a moment. We will not all sleep Right? Not all of us. That's what he said in that last verse. Let me go back there. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Some won't die. Some are going to make it to that last trumpet and not suffer from physical death. But we will all, whether you've died here, do you have anybody that you know 
that you love, that's already passed on. The Bible says they're asleep. You might make it to the end. Now, I know we don't know the day or the hour, but I feel like we're getting close. You feel like we're getting close? At some point in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. So the seeds that went in perishable will come out imperishable, and we will all be changed. Boom. There. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, these two Old Testament quotes. First one, Isaiah 25.8, Death is swallowed up in victory. Next one, Hosea 13.14, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? He goes on to say, The sting of death is sin. This is important. I'll come back to this in just a second. The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before I read the last verse, the hope is laid out here. The perishable can't inherit that. But thanks be to God through what Christ did when He defeated Sin. And those of us who are bound by sin, see the, the sting of death is sin. Take the sin away, death loses its sting because we get to be resurrected. Christ has done this. So much more here I could talk about, but I want to hit this last verse. Therefore, he says, when you see a therefore, what do you do? See what it's there for. So all that stuff that I just read led up to this. Therefore, because of all these things, because you're going to get all that, therefore, he says, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. That means, it could literally mean be seated. Settled. I'm actually starting to get the imagery of the seed is coming back to me again. Right? Be steadfast. Immovable can mean not shaken. See, because you know what you're going to get right now, this is what you ought to do. Because you know this is what's going to happen right now, this is what you ought to do. Because this is going to happen. You're going to get full change one day. Praise the Lord, full change. I know some of you at the beginning were like, I kind of like, you know, the fact that I, I get that. But to be free of all weakness of all of your shortcomings, to, to stop aging, to stop dying, to stop even knowing death. Because of that, then right now you ought to be this. Steadfast, immovable, always abounding, it says, always abounding, uh, in the work of the Lord, the work is the, 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 the business. That word can be translated business. Be, be always overflowing. That word abounding is like, okay, you reach this measure and go a little bit more. Kind of how like I measure my coffee sometimes. You, pour, you ever do that? Fill it up and you get, you get too much and you can't pick it up because <laughs> it's, as soon as you touch it, it's so like the little bubble over the top, right? Uh, and you spill it. 
That's how you are to be. That's how you ought to be now in the work of the Lord. Meaning the 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 ministry, the the giving of the good news to people. That's the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor. This word labor is not another word for work. This word labor actually can mean pain. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Ben Witherington. The third, for the last time I'll quote him for my Corinthian study. He says this, he says, Paul expects his converts to manifest and to bear witness to the new creation already begun in the midst of the old. I think that we have today even a clear insight with the seed illustration because we know about this thing called DNA written in that seed already. Right? Is what will be. Paul expects us, knowing this, to begin manifesting that type of stuff now. And the way that we do it is to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that this labor, this pain, is not in vain. Paul expects his converse to manifest and bear witness to the new creation already begun in the midst of the old, all while keeping their gaze firmly fixed on the future, when the process of salvation, sanctification, and glorification will be completed. If you're like me, I I can't wait some days for that. Some of you I know in this room, you go, man, I can't wait for that. I think that becomes more, I think, as you get older and things start breaking down. I also think it happens when you, you start to lose, right? Reading the obituaries is like, I know them. I know them. I know them. I'm thinking about this, we're going to get to see them again. Those that have their faith in Christ, we're going to see them again. I'm, I'm going to be freed of this mortality and put on immortality one day. But until that day comes, Paul says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In other words, begin to display that. I think you as a Christian, this might be what you're like right now. You see that? Seed. Time lapse. Day two. See that, see that root? Digging down there, that seed's dying to be in a seed, is it not? Actually, I'm showing you this video for two reasons. One, because frankly, that's just cool, is it not? That God wrote into that little seed all the information necessary to know how to know to go down and how to know then to grow up. There's day nine. You see the remnants of seedhood there. Shedding those things. I share that with you because I think, man, what what a picture of what we ought to be. One day, we're going to burst forth from the ground like that seed did. We're kind of in that meantime right now. 
rooted, steadfast, immovable. I mean, I know the day. In fact, I know seeds can't think, but I have to wonder if that seed maybe at the beginning was going, how close am I to the ground? You know, I'm getting ready to burst forth any day now. You guys are mesmerized. I'm watching you. I think it goes up to day 25. I'll let you finish the video. I won't stop it. Bean plant, you think? Poison ivy. Oh, there's music with it. I didn't know there was music with it. <laughs> Look at those roots. I, I watched this video and I, I just kept thinking, steadfast and movable. Steadfast and immovable. All right. F.B. Craddock says this. It is naive to think one can function with the simple formula, people have problems and the gospel resolves them. The fact is the gospel generates in individual lives and in society a new set of problems. I think for that seed, a whole new set of problems that starts digging down in the dirt. I think for us, it's naive to say, come be a Christian, everything will go perfectly. One only has to love impartially, and hatred is threatened and stirred to violence. One has only to speak the truth and falsehood takes a stand with pleasing lies. Invite persons of different social and economic backgrounds around the same table and the fellowship is strained, often breaking apart. Plant the cross in a room and the upwardly mobile convert it to a ladder. Some of you are like, upwardly mobile? Get ahead in life. Get ahead of everybody else. Evil by whatever name it is called, will not sit idly by and allow the gospel to transform a community. Let the preacher, F.B. Craddock says, but I think you as well, be encouraged. When having to deal with those problems which clearly have their origin in the fact that the gospel has been released in the community, be encouraged. A difference is being made, and that is seldom without pain. I share this because of what Paul ended on, that note he ended on. Keep abounding in the work, the business of the Lord, knowing that your labor, which can be translated pain, which can be translated suffering, which can be translated strain, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What you're doing? It's like that seed. And you're manifesting. You're manifesting to people around you something amazing, something eternal, something glorious. You are called to manifest that to the people around you. Many of you in this room are so consumed with today, right now, 
what it, how it impacts me. It comfort. Now. What about now? What about me? You start to sound like that baby again. Me. You ought to begin manifesting this person you will be in its fullness. The spiritual person will manifest the things of the man of heaven, Christ. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day. Lord, I want to pray now as we shift gears and we begin to remember all that you've done through communion. Lord, I know and believe that one of the most important things for us to do is to think on and to consider all that you've done. Lord, your death, burial, your resurrection, that you're the first fruits of what we have to look forward to. Lord, I don't want any of us to forget that, to become so weary in, in what this life is dishing out to us that we forget that there is glory coming. A new body. Recreated. Lord, I pray that in the meantime, we will be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in, in your business, Lord, so that we will know that our labor, the pain that we are experiencing because of the gospel is not in vain, but instead is demonstrating who you are and what you've done, Lord, that, so that others, others might hear and believe. Lord, as we tell the story of the gospel, they might believe based on what they see in us. This heaven stuff must be true. Look at this person. Help us to manifest the man of heaven. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. If I could have a couple guys come up here as we remember. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, we've read so many times that the Lord, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and distribute today. We'll do this in a little bit of a different order. Paul received from the Lord what he also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given him thanks, he broke it. You know this, don't you? Shall we break this bread? I have some bread up here to break. You see Christ before he goes to the cross taking that bread and saying, this is my body which is for you, right? Which is broken for you. And I always picture him breaking off more, handing it out. Here you go. This piece here. Here you go. This is my body which is broken for you. His blood which is shed. This, is, this blood is the, new, this is the new covenant in my blood, right? And you can see him pouring that out. Do this, he says, in remembrance. Let me pray, give thanks. I'm going to have these guys distribute. I want you to hold on to it, and then we'll talk through the rest. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. I pray that you'd help what we do next to be done in remembrance of you. Lord, I know for myself I forget too often all that you've done. Lord, I love talking about what you're going to do. I love thinking about a new body. 
be completely restored. Oh, Lord, to be free of my weaknesses. I love thinking about that. I pray, God, that in this physical body I'm still in, in this kernel, this seed, God, I ask that you help me to begin to manifest. I pray all in this room would begin to manifest you. Let us begin that today by thanking and remembering what you've done. So I pray a blessing on this bread and this cup. In Jesus' name, amen.